Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me on the show today, Debbie G and Neo Positivity. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Debbie G is going to be joining us in just a few minutes, so we'll be looking forward to that. But uh, really glad to have Neo back because this guy's been like flying all over the place. I mean, He's been flying so far, his arms are tired. <laughs> yes, my arms and my imaginary wings, I can feel them. They're, they're exhausted, but they're ready for more. I, well, I, don't want my feet, I don't want my feet to touch the ground. Yeah, I understand that when, when, you, when you fly like that. Yeah, because that's, that's like, uh, it's, it's like a positive addiction, isn't it? I mean, you really don't want to stop. Figuratively, mentally, and emotionally, I don't ever want my feet to touch the ground. If I was, mm-hmm. if I was Superman... My feet would shrivel up because they would just never touch the ground. Why? Why would I? It just doesn't make sense. But yes, I love flying. I <laughs> that, love that's flying. the perspective of a man. Air. Yeah, that's the perspective of a man who just loves being up there. And I can get that. I mean, I have not done it myself, but I have like an itch to try that at some point. So, yeah, I get it. That's we're cool. waiting for you. <laughs> I'll be looking for you up there. And we have a special guest joining us today. Her name is Laura Brandau. I gotta tell you. If there is something that you can do in life, she's done it. I'm just, I'm just saying that's the way it is with this woman. She's I a self-made, she, well, <laughs> you succeed and you succeed over and over again. She's a self-made businesswoman. She built this, this part really blows my mind. She built a national mortgage company during the financial crisis. Now remember the, the 2008 financial crisis, that's where mortgage companies were going under mm-hmm. and she was building it up. I mean, just think about that for, for a minute. That, that, let that one sink in because that is an achievement. And we're going to go into that in just a moment. Um, but in addition to that, she's a podcast host. She's a multiple best-selling author. She's a keynote speaker. She basically does it all. And we're going to find out how much is it that she does right here on the show. So Laura, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you. And, and I have to say that there's one particular book that you have that we're going to kind of talk a little bit in greater detail about that has a wonderful title to it. Tell us what the title of that book is. Yes, that is Say Yes Every Day. And it doesn't mean saying yes to everything. It's about being open to every single minute of your day and looking at it, realizing that this moment in time will never come again. So you better maximize it and you better embrace it because it's that moment in time that is going to lead you to the future that you desire. Neil, have you heard a better exposition of what it is to live in the now than that? No, no. I love it. Saying yes to that right part now. of you. Mm-hmm. Yes, that part of you that's just like, that wants to live. Kind of reminds me of like, when I talk about being present, yes. as soon as you get there, I don't care who you are, there's going to be a level of appreciation of of just you don't even have nothing, just life in general and just being here. If you sit back and really get present and push everything aside. And that makes me think about that, just saying yes to life. At that moment when I'm silent and I'm just saying yes to life, to everything. As many knows that come out of my mouth mentally a day. No, I don't want to sit there. I don't want to go there. It's raining outside, so I'm not going to go to the store today. All these knows and possibilities, that is just one calm, yes, I'll take it. And I love that. Even just saying it, right? Even yeah. when you say yes, doesn't it make you feel better? Doesn't it make you feel empowered and just make you feel like there's more for you to give to this world? 
just even just saying the word. Just, just saying the word feels better. It, it just, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care what mood you're in. It, you, it just raises you a vibration level. Number one affirmation for me is yes. Is it really? It 10 times, no matter what. Yeah, I always talk about it. No matter what mood I'm in, if I say yes 10 times, it'll shift something. Mm-hmm. And by the sixth or seventh time, my brain is throwing at me like examples and reasons to say yes. Yes. There you go. You've got it, Neil. Well, that's my that's my best one. Yes and thank you. Those are my two go-tos yes. for affirmations. Those are beautiful too. Now, when you were uh dealing with your mortgage startup going into the 2008 financial crisis, yes was not the most easy word to say at that particular point no. in time. No. no. Oh, there, there's no word. Oh my god. It that came out. <laughs> it found us. But, yeah. but what was that like and how did you how did you deal with that? Because that's really what it is, is dealing with it. So it's really interesting story. It really is. So let me paint the picture. Here I am. I'm in my 30s. OK, so picture. OK, Neil's probably somewhere in that realm of closer to 30s than we are. Right. So <laughs> here I am in my 30s. I have children, a house, a mortgage, the whole game. Right. And every day when I came into work, we would go into a computer screen to a website that was called the Mortgage Implodometer. No joke. <laughs> no joke. That was the way. And if you go and you Google it right now, you'll find the website. It's still there. It's still there. Mortgage okay. Implodometer. So every morning, all of us mortgage people, we would come in and the first website we went to was that because we wanted to see if our company made it to the list. That was wow. how we started our day. So here I am, I'm, you know, I've got my, my family life and we're going through layoffs and it's company after company going out of business. And so I call a friend of mine and I'm like, Hey, do you know anywhere that's safe? Well, after she laughed at me and told me, (laughs) Laura, that doesn't exist right now. 2007. Have you read the news of what's going Mm. on? And she said, but. I have a client that is actually thinking of starting a new division. And she explained it to me. And I said, I can do that. And she's like, well, let me connect you two. So I drove up to his office and he said, Laura, here's the vision. We're going to open up a brand new wholesale division. And we're going to do this type of product. He goes, but Laura, here's, here's what I'd like to offer you. No salary no benefits, a hundred percent commission, but heck you can open up and you can run it any way you want. You can hire who you like. You can do whatever you want to do, make the decisions. And literally I said, yes. And in that moment I called my husband and I said, good news. I have a new opportunity. (laughs) Well, what does it pay? It pays nothing, (laughs) no salary, no benefits, but I get to make the decisions. And that first day I got on the phone, literally going from A to Z. And I called every mortgage broker that I could find on the website. And I said, let me introduce myself. And I was the first person in the company to be the salesperson. And I built the company with literally me doing the sales in the beginning. Within the first three years, I was doing a hundred million dollars in business a month. Wow. Nice. 
Wow. And that, that's impressive at any time. It's especially impressive when you're doing it 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. That's just mm-hmm. mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. What do you attribute your, your success to? Um, a couple of things. One, my story that even starts off in my Say Yes Every Day book is me and my husband are high school sweethearts. We met when I was 17 years old. Well, we got pregnant when I was 19 years old. And in that moment, we said, wait a minute, every dream, every thought of what our life was going to be just flew out the window and (laughs) changed in that moment. And my book starts off with someone saying, you just ruined your life. And yeah, yeah, that was literally the word. That was harsh. Yeah, that was family. Yeah, someone in family, in my family, said those words to me. And we had to figure it out. Me and my husband had to figure it out. And grit and resilience and knowing that, hey, I've been in a tougher situation than the mortgage business crashing. And I know that as long as I have my mind and my health, I can absolutely get through anything, especially with my husband by my side. So I have to tell you that I have no limits. I honestly believe I can do anything that I set my mind to as long as my mind and my body is in top condition. Uh, I got to ask you, when did you, were you born with that or did that come? Okay. So you've been that way your whole life. Yeah, I've been that. and, And you know, I have to attribute that to my parents. My parents, blue collar, literally my father was a janitor, my mom was a secretary, and all four of us, there's four kids in the family, every single one of us is extremely successful. Every single one of us blew past, and I attributed to there was never any limits. Whatever it was, it didn't matter if we said we're going to the moon, or we're going to buy this company, or I'm going to become the president of this, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to do whatever. My parents always said, okay, you can do it. And we were brought up in a household that there was never anything that would stop us. And it's an interesting story. I'm very famous in my industry now as being a very powerful woman. I've actually started numerous women's groups because my industry is very male dominated. There's not a lot of women executives in my industry. So I'll get to that story too. But I recognize that I need to do this. But reason why, I didn't realize it was strange to be a woman executive. Because in my mind, I had no limits. Like, I was like, I'm the best person for the job. What difference does it make what my gender is? It doesn't make any difference when I'm working and what my gender is. But then I realized there were many women that weren't brought up that way. There are many women in relationships that tell them, they're lower or that they can't do certain things or they have restrictions because of their gender. And when I realized that, I said, it's time for me to empower them. And it's time for me to show them that there are no limits to anyone in this world, only the limits we place on ourselves. Which is very true. Absolutely true. Now let's flip the coin a little bit here because as you were alluding to, a lot of women, not just women, a lot of men too, there, there are a lot of people yeah. who don't succeed, who don't achieve the, the levels of success they're looking for. And this is always a really tough question to ask, but I'll ask it anyway. Why not? Why don't they? 
So I think there's many, many factors, Walt. I mean, and I think we all can have a healthy discussion, right, amongst ourselves as mm -hmm. to what we think that is, because I think we all probably have, have different preconceived notions. Sure. I'm going to share a story just from yesterday. So on my podcast, I had a gentleman. He's in the mortgage industry. He works for a credit company, okay? Mm -hmm. And I asked him how he came into the mortgage industry. And this this is this is a passionate story. Like it's it's very it's very passionate. He says, Laura, I was nine years old and I was on the back of a truck with ten other people on my way to go pick cotton in Arkansas. It was hundred and ten degrees and raining. And in that moment I realized there has to be more in this life. And I decided in that moment that whatever I needed to do to make my life different than the life that I saw before me, I was going to do it. And I said to him, what was it like in your household? Is that how people felt or thought? Or was that just you? And he said, they thought I was crazy. And they told me, that's not our role in this world. Wow. Our role is to do this. And this is the life you will have. And stop dreaming or thinking that you can have something different because you'll just be disappointed. I was blown away. I'm actually mm. writing that man's story in my magazine because wow. I said that story. That sounds very familiar. <laughs> That's how everybody I was, everyone in my neighborhood growing up was raised on that same exact principle. Mm -hmm. There you go. If you leave this town, you're probably going to get pulled over. So you might as well stay here in the hood and just get a job somewhere and coast. Just this don't is get what locked you, up. This is what you That's were it. born into. Minus the cotton picking part. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> look, I would have been a rebel. I would look. If, I, I would have died quick during slavery. I was, I was, I'd have been that dude. Listen, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Follow Actually, me. You, you would have been the guy who invented the paramotor is what would have happened. Yeah, you well, would just thrown away. I mean, seriously. Bye, y'all. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> I'm headed north towards Canada. <laughs> and just so you know, that gentleman with the story with the cotton, that was the mid 80s. That story. That wasn't like 1945. This gentleman, he was nine in the mid eighties. So this is not like I'm speaking to some older gentleman here. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Just goes to show you stuff still happening these days. Yeah. But I, why, I like, so um, why don't people, so wait, I want to ask you. So why don't people reach their highest potential? What do you think it is? It's the script that's going on in their head that says, like, if your parents, like where I'm from, if your parent, if your dad's a drug dealer and your mom is a drug dealer teetering on and off the fence, uh, and you know that if you leave that town, you're probably going to get pulled over and go to jail. Yeah, you just pretty much settle. You're like, okay, this is it. This is the standard. If I do this, this is success. And you reach that level of success, which is a pair of Jordans or a bit, you know, a fancy car, and you stay there. And, and the same thing goes for, you know, I've lived in different classes of neighborhood my whole life. We just, you know, fortunately we were able to progress. And in each neighborhood, they each had their own little narrative that they stayed in. 
And then it gets to the, you get to the point where you're in a rich neighborhood where they got their na- narrative that's keeping them in the bracket of 1 million to 5 million. And they'll never reach that 100 million bracket they because they have their mind set on that bracket. And so it's just different levels. It's and the gotta, temperature, right? Where yeah. like some people say, whatever that comfort of temperature is, yeah. that's where you stay. And that's why you don't even envision. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. I say that all the time. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I I grew up in New Jersey. My whole family, hey, New shout Jersey. Out to Jersey. What part? <laughs> well, wait, wait. So wait, I'm gonna keep going with the story. But I'm in Parsippany, New Jersey. So kind of about 40 minutes from New York City. So my whole life, that was it. That was all I knew. Right? It was New Jersey. And when we bought our house, we bought in New Jersey, and the whole family all here, everyone in one spot. And then one day, it was snowing. And one day my husband's out shoveling snow about six years ago. And I turned to my husband and I said, I don't want to spend the winters in New Jersey anymore. I hate it. My kids are grown. Why in the heck do I have to deal with snow and ice every day that I'm stuck in the house? That's one day I'm not saying yes to being outside. I want to change this. And in that moment, I figured out how to make it so that I can open an office on the West Coast. And now I spend every winter in Scottsdale, Arizona. And when I do that, I say all the time, my mind couldn't even imagine what that was like because I didn't know anything else. All I knew was New Jersey and shoveling snow in the winter. I couldn't even imagine it. I didn't even know what that life was like. But once I knew, and staring at your shirt, thoughts become things, the minute I realized, no, I'm going to figure out a way to do this where my husband can work and I can work and I can have an office and I can figure this all out. Once thoughts came into my mind, the forget the how. Don't worry about the how. Just know the why. Come up with a plan in your mind and the how will fall into place. That's an interesting point there. I want, I want to uh, really address the last thing you said there. Um, Put the, uh, create the plan and don't worry about the how. But the first thing that I think most people think about when they're creating the plan is, well, the plan has to include the how. No. Mm-hmm. No. That's the misconception, right? There. Well, yeah. Well, that's what I want you to, to address. <laughs> that is exactly. And, and go ahead, Neil. I know that's how you think too, because you wouldn't have thoughts become things if you didn't know that. <laughs> I was just going to say, everybody, please give a hashtag. It's possible in the comments, because if it's not possible in your mind, it will never be possible. That's true. You first have to open your uh, your mindset to that. I had a very similar story to Laura. I was in New Jersey, uh, Camden City. I'm pretty sure you've heard of Camden. I'm in Chile. Okay, yeah. See, I was a cop in Camden. I was I was born in Camden, and that that was my hood. Um, but I would never, I never wanted to leave Jersey. I wanted to buy my house after I quote unquote made it. I wanted to buy my house and then leave. And lo and behold, it was me leaving Jersey. That was take, it was that it took me leaving Jersey to make it. So it was kind of like I was holding myself back for all those years, but it wasn't a possibility. Moving from Jersey was not a possibility. And all of a sudden I made it one. And then I started to push for it. Just like you pushed for Arizona. I didn't want to be in Jersey no more. There's people reason, there's a reason people run from Jersey. Well, you'll never have to worry about that. Just don't worry. <laughs> Leave it out of your psyche. It's like watching a horror movie, horror movie you don't need to watch. Leave that alone. But yeah, get up out of Jersey, experience that positivity. And um, yes, but no, you got, it's got to be possible. You got to make it possible. And then you got to push for it. You got to prepare for it. When I say prepare for it, 
If you want a vacation, pack the luggage, even though it's yeah. not really planned. Pack the luggage, plan the trip, the horseback ride, the four-wheeling. Plan it all out and watch what happens. It's a beautiful thing. And speak to it. I will tell you, before I actually figured out how to do it, I would tell everyone, I'm going to spend the winter in Arizona. I would tell everyone, every person I came along with, next winter, I will be spending it in Arizona. I had no idea how it was going to happen. Not a clue how I was going to make it happen. I just came back to New Jersey. I am in New Jersey right now. I spent from January, the beginning of January to March 18th in Arizona. And that is what we do every single year. And it's a beautiful time for me and my husband, now that our kids are grown, for us to have our adventures, be able to be outside. But seven years ago, that wasn't even a thought in my mind. I want to follow up on this because there's a really key thing in here. And I want to make sure we don't skip it, which is... That the, when, when I asked you to describe how you make your plan, you described how you wanted to be someplace. That was the plan. That's not what most people think of as a plan, but that is the plan. It is the plan. Yeah. Because people get, they get stuck up on the how. Everybody says, Oh, but I, I don't know how I'm going to afford this, or I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. I don't know how this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And they convince themselves that it's the wrong thing. But when you put it out there and you say, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to reach that, or this is my dream. I mean, I'm going to tell you something right now. To the left of me, right here, across from me is my dry erase board, okay? And on that dry erase board is a number. It's a number that every single day and every morning when I come in my office, I erase it and reduce it by one. Do you know what that number is? The day I will retire. Ah, ooh. That number is my retirement. I'm not afraid of that number. Now, every single day when I erase it and reduce it by one, it certainly reminds me I've got work to do. And I know what I need to do in order to hit that number. I'm not afraid of my goals. I put my goals out there and I show that I'm facing it. I'm not hiding from it. I'm not asking the how. I'm going to embrace every single day to make sure that that number and when it goes to zero, that will be the day it's over. I can't uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I know the date so I can call you and say, yeah. Yay! <laughs> Another one. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, DJ Khaled, he's a very successful uh, song producer. That's his number one phrase. He walks around saying, another one, another one. And that is a great affirmation. Plus, what are you instilling in everyone's minds around you? That you're the type of person who's always saying, I got another one, y'all. I made another hit. And I just, I love things like that. Um, you said something earlier, uh, about knowing how it happens. I, I call it the middleman. Don't worry about the middleman, how it's going to happen. Just see the end result and focus on it. And people are like, ah, oh, well, I need to know how it's going to happen. I need to figure out how it's going to happen. And I, and I'm like, no matter how you try to think, you know, something's going to be off. Correct. Even if whatever you're picturing, the wall is a different color in the background or the person you meet with is on Friday instead of Saturday, something about your guess is going to be off. So just drop it. Just get rid of it anyway. You'll know how it happens after it happens. That's that the correct. only way is after you see the events and you're there. And by then you don't care. 
So why care now? You got to. Well, the only, the only thing I'd say time. with that, Neil, though, that I've recognized in my life and my life has been magical since the day I was born. I mean, I could go over story over story over story of not realizing how things happen. But I think and you said the word thank you. You said about it's yes and thank you. I think it's also very important to take a moment and realize and be grateful when those things fall into place. Because sometimes we don't stop and realize that those things happened for us. Life does not happen to us. It happens for us. When we're going the wrong direction, and sometimes we're like, hanging on, we're hanging on. No, I can't allow that to change. I can't allow that to go in this negative direction. But sometimes that negative direction is to teach you you have to let go of something that isn't serving you anymore. And every time, time that you, negative is yeah. every time you receive negative, it's some kind of lesson. It is. Learn from it or be taught again. I mean, it's, I, I love what you said about it happening to us and from us. Um, I want to throw this at you. Walt, you're going to love this. I got it from Morgana. Uh, I actually talked with her yesterday. No kidding. She doesn't use, was it Morgana? I don't know. But she doesn't use manifesting anymore. She completely X that out of her vocabulary because manifesting seems to, it, it carries the weight of, this is there and that's there. And I need this person to talk to that person and mm-hmm. they're going to get it and it's going to ship here. And it's a bunch of variables that you yourself have to move like chess pieces or talk to someone and they move like chess pieces. It's all a bunch of stuff that depends on outside factors. That's outside of me. I need to get it here by talking to this person. She uses the word create. Mm, I love that. She will not say manifest anymore. I like create that. X is out everyone and everything outside of you. And now it's just like that Care Bear beam coming from your chest (laughs) and you're making the situation in front of you. So I've adapted that. And you made me think of that when you said that. I've adapted that over the past two or three days and it has absolutely changed. I, I believe that we can design our life. I'm proof that we can design our life. Honestly, I think so many times we're, we're, listen, go back, go back. When we were children, okay, when we were children, we believed we could be anyone or anything. We believed nothing was, everything was possible, like you said, right? Everything is possible. But as we grow up, we're beaten down and we're told no, or we're told that's not the way it is, or we're told you're, you're just a dreamer, or that doesn't happen. You're not the lucky few. Right. You're not the lucky few. Basically. But I believe, I call BS on all of it. I honestly call BS on all of it. Because I believe that the greatest thing is if you are here today on this earth, your work is not done. You are here for a reason. There is something that you are doing. You are important for so many different reasons. Why would you allow someone else to create the life for you? Why would you not design your own for your purpose, sharing your gifts with everyone else? 
I'm going to use that as a segue because you're fitting that in very nicely without realizing it with where I was going to go anyway, because I, I wanted to bring in a question. And it's a question that has been debated and discussed here on the program with interesting, varying points of view. Uh, and, and that's really the question of what is it that stops people from going after the success? And one of the arguments that, that people make uh, who, you know, guests on the show have made, co-hosts in some cases have made, is that people are afraid of success. And that the, the fear of success, even though if you were to ask them, well, I'm not afraid of success, there, there's still that fear going on there. But there's also a, another argument that's made it that is, no, they're not afraid of success. They're afraid of the risks. They're afraid of risking losing, getting hurt, failing, not making it. And so it's, it's the, the fear of, of, the, of, of the risks that's actually the issue. And I think there's probably a few others we could throw in there, but I'm curious to know, what, what do you think? How, where, where do you come down on that particular topic? So it, it's funny. I have a friend that she she speaks and she's a coach about fear, about overcoming your fear. And one time I brought her into one of my groups and that question came up. Like mm -hmm. people were actually saying, like, why are people afraid, right? Meaning of success. And it was an odd answer. Because some people said, well, how can you possibly be afraid of success? Everyone wants success. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that I recently saw um, at one of my conferences, I had one of the guys from what's a miracle, you know, the 1980, you know, the oh, Americans yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Miracle so one of the hockey, yeah, yeah. One of the hockey players mm -hmm. was actually the speaker at oh. that conference a few weeks ago. And he got up there and he said, guys, you don't understand. Success is scary because once you reach that level of success, everyone is watching you to make sure that that success will continue. And the biggest scare is that if you put yourself out there and you say, I have all this success and then it goes away or it changes or that expectation, all of a sudden everyone's watching you. That is very scary for most people. Now, as far as the risk, it, it's funny. Um, people say to me all the time, well, you have all this confidence. You have, look at, you come across like you've got all the answers of, of you're not afraid. You'll start companies, you'll write books, you'll do this, you'll do that. And I'm going to give you where my confidence comes from. Okay. Right. Okay. And this is the recommendation I would give for anyone okay. because my confidence doesn't come from myself. See, I told the story about I was a young mom. And so here I am, 19, my husband's 21. We don't have any money. We're trying to figure this out. We had to get a job. We had to do what we did, right? Everything I did was for my child. It was for my young family. When I started my mortgage company, the industry was going through craziness. And we were afraid we were going to lose our jobs. I had a family to support. I had to figure out how to make it work. There was no option for failure. <laughs> there was never a thought in my mind that that would fail. If I had to call people 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I would get those people to say yes to me. There was not an option of failure, not one. So I have found that my confidence comes from always thinking about someone else. Whether it's my family, whether it's the people that work for me, I'm responsible for hundreds of people 
that I employ, every day that I do my job, I need to make sure their families are taken care of. I wake up for them, not for me, not for my husband anymore. Now it's for them. So I believe that our confidence, it's never about us. We don't walk around with chips on our shoulders saying, um, I, I'm, don't, I'm not afraid of a risk. When you put someone else first, you will be, the old saying about you'll be able to run through the wall or lift the car off your child. Yes, that is true. So put your goals out there tying to who are you doing it for? Because it's never for yourself. It's always for someone else. And that person will give you the confidence that you need to let all of the fear go away. You know, one of the things I love about her, Neo, is that when she gives her answers, it's like she's talking to a huge audience. You can, all, you can actually see her reaching out, leaning out, like she's reaching the persons in the back row of the audience. That's what's I'm so used cool to speaking this. on stage. Sorry. <laughs> seasoned veteran here. We Absolutely. Vet in the house. I mean, people, most people are listening to this. They don't see the video, you know, but, but I'm watching her and she's leaning into the camera. I mean, her, her face is getting big in the camera because it's like she's trying to reach out like, I want to talk to you right now. I'm speaking this is to important. you. I'm yeah. speaking to you. Like those commercials. We want you. Yes. You need, you have dreams and goals that need to be fulfilled because that's part of your purpose of why you're here. All uh, of you. Real, real quick, I just want to say, uh, parents, be very careful what you say and how you shoot down your children. And I know people say, I don't shoot down my children. I guarantee you have at some point um, told them to not so much to get their head out of the clouds, but maybe you gave them some limiting beliefs that led them to believe that they were supposed to get a nine to five and retire at 60 or 65, take some vacation, one vacation a year. And that all sounds like a, a, a good life, but don't make them think that that's what they're supposed to do because that makes people aim lower. That's a factory job, and I respect factory workers, but as a person who tries to push himself to the limits every single day and tries to excel to the next level every single day, factory worker was out of the daggone equation in high school before my first job. So be careful what you say to your kids and how you shoot them down. We know you want to keep their heads straight, but find a more positive way. Tell them to watch LOA today. <laughs> <laughs> But anytime that they actually start, anytime is they more, start dreaming big, send them here. But that actually is a good thing, Neil, that you said that because now kids are exposed to so much, right? Mm -hmm. And and meaning that they can get um, their fill of of other positive things and kind of the things that resonate to them. But you're right; it's not intentional when we say to someone, "Oh, that's that's not for you." You know, it's it better if you was in the eighties. No, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and listen, I speak a lot about this because of my role in the mortgage industry, that it pains us that there's people that don't believe they should own a home. There are so many communities that feel again, that's not for me. My family never owned a home. That's not for us. We don't think like that. And again, absolutely false. It's due to just this limiting belief that that's not for me. That's not for my family. 
If anybody out there, I'm sure you've all seen the news about the the prices of homes right now and the amount of equity that people, it's changing generations. There are people that bought homes a few years ago that now they've made hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity that they can use for college education and they can use to purchase a home for their child or they can use it for whatever they feel. The point is, is that when we limit ourselves, that's just an example of something that it is possible and it's possible for everyone. Now, how you get there may be different. It might not be the same story for everyone, but it starts with us believing in ourselves. You know what? I'm going to throw this in there because you just made me think of it. From the, from the moment we're born, we look up to our parents. We want to be like them. We want to do the things that they did. So I get it. You know, you want to follow in your parents' footsteps, but there's going to be a point. If you're meant to do something different, there's going to be a point somewhere in your life where your brain says, maybe I'm not going to take my dad's follow my dad's footsteps. Maybe I'm going to do one of the other 90,000 other occupations on earth. Look into that. Don't just brush it off. There's a reason your intuition, your guts is telling you that. Look into it a little bit. It's okay. Even though you love them and you, and you want to be just like them, it's okay to be something different. One of, one of the listeners in the live stream typed in two words, well, actually a word in an acronym that really summarize where I want to go next because I, I love what you guys are saying. Um, but there's also this flip side, and I think it's important to address. The word and the acronym are generational DNA. In other words, all of the different learnings that get passed along generationally, they get along, they get passed along societally. They're, I mean, they get passed along in, in the human race. They get passed along in so many different ways, and and they can actually trap people unintentionally in a continuous cycle just because of that generational tie. So talk mm-hmm. about that for a minute. How do you, first of all, how do you identify a generational DNA limitation? And then second of all, what do you do about it? Yeah, I mean, I think most people will get stuck in that generational DNA. I honestly think it's, and I don't know what the percentage is, but I would think it'd be a small percentage that actually defy it. Because mm-hmm. exactly what Neil just said, most of us, like you said, our role models pretty much are our parents when we are small. Then it expands, right? Other people come into our lives and we have other role models, but that's our, that's our bubble, right? I mean, that's, that's the bubble that we live in as children and everything is learned of that's what I'm striving for. Now I can tell you, you mentioned the eighties. I can tell you me in the eighties, I was like, I'm going to beat my parents, right? Like I'm, I'm going to own a home. My parents never owned a home. I'm like, I'm going to own a home. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this. We're all going to go to college. We're going to get executive positions. I don't, I don't want to be exactly this way. Right. But most people would say, what's wrong with it? Middle-class is great. Middle-class is wonderful. This is, you know, average mom and dad in household. I'm blessed. Right. And yes, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have a stable home. That's beautiful. But my mind never thought that that was the limit. My mind always thought, well, that's great. And yes, I strive to have happy home of a couple of kids and a husband and all of that. But But why can't, why can't I push it a little further where maybe I can own a business? Maybe, maybe I can do something to where I can empower women. 
Maybe I can start organizations. Maybe I can write books. Maybe I can write magazines. Maybe I can change not only my family's lives, but tens of thousands and hundreds and thousands and millions of other people's lives. But it's hard, Walt, because oh, most man. people will never get out of their bubble. And to be quite honest, to be quite honest, I honestly think that's just the way it is in our society. I honestly don't know if everything can shift to that. But for the people that are listening to this, I will say you're here for a reason. You think differently. You're one of you, us. Yes. You wouldn't be here <laughs> if you didn't realize there's more, whatever that more is for you. So I would say you're going to be one of those outliers. And mm -hmm. that is a beautiful place to be. Well, I want to know yours. We just heard Laura's. I'm going to give you mine and I want to know yours. Um, for me, it was rappers. Hey, Debbie G, you just pulled in. Good topic. Everybody. Um, for me, it was rappers. I saw this guy who's a piece of crap for lack of better terms, drug dealer, no futures, never helped anybody. And just all of a sudden overnight, He's driving a Lamborghini in Beverly Hills, living the perfect life. And I, and I seen that at such an early age. I, I'm like, why would I want to get a house the same size as my parents' house when this dong hole over here has a Beverly Hills mansion and butlers? And that was, for me, that was it. From then on, I was it. Every time someone told me some type of limiting belief, like get a job, just get a factory worker career, I was like, whatever, that's for you. Like, and it, I learned that the first time I saw a rapper on TV. So I had that at an early age. Uh, Walt, Debbie, you remember that moment where you were just, what? No. There's more. <laughs> yeah. First of all, we got to welcome Debbie onto the set here because uh, she's been through some stuff lately and she yeah. is, of course, coming through with flying colors. But we've been thinking a lot about you, Deb. And, and we're, I'm glad you could make it because I got to tell you, Laura here is like your energetic twin. So yeah. I, I wanted you to at least have the experience of being able to sit here. Debbie's going to be kind of a little bit on the quiet side for her, which is, you know, an amazing thing because uh, she just went through some surgery and she's been recovering from that. But uh, we're, we're glad to have you here and, and uh, I hope you're feeling better. I think you said yesterday you were feeling better. I hope you're continuing to. I, you know what I am. And hi, Laura. It's so good to see you. Hi, Neil. Hey, hey, okay. Hey. All right. Look, yeah, I, I am feeling better. I have a little bit of a, of a collapsed lung from surgery, but I'm good. You know what? It's just the talking thing. I like run out of air and I'm like, mm. Oh my God. Okay. So now I'm going to appreciate air more than I've ever appreciated it before. Whew. Just breathe just to breathe. I love what you were talking about, Laura. And we have a show, I have a show called Women Rising on Unify. And, and this is a really big deal. Like this is so, this is what we do. We empower each other to, into our greatness. And I love what you're talking about. And what was the question, Neo? That, that <laughs> moment, that moment in life where I guess someone, parents or whatever, where, where everybody around you was trying to teach you or coach you to be, in the normal house with the normal job and that was success. And you were just like, no, I think I'm going to go for more than that. Mm. Okay. So I was brought up in an interesting environment. My dad being um, Garcia and, and Mexican American 
without a college degree, running one of the largest tire corporations in Southern California, CEO. My mom was an entrepreneur. So I was taught both sides of of this, corporate and entrepreneur. And then we had a family tire, uh, tire stores. So then I was in family business. I've always known there's more. I've always known that you go for it. I remember when my son is just like me. My my both my boys, they are entrepreneurs. They this is what they do. I I've watched my my dad do what he was supposed to do. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. But his was different. His was more like a, the proof that he could do it regardless of his nationality. Mm-hmm. The proof that he could do it regardless that he was brought up in Gallup, New Mexico, very, very poor. You know, th- that striving to be greater than you were told you could be or to be at status quo, F status quo. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, you know, F status quo in the chat. Seriously. In the chat. Shit, man. I mean, the limiting beliefs are only because in my world, when I have a limiting belief is when I don't want to be real with myself about why I'm not getting up and doing the thing that I know I need to be doing. My limiting belief only has to, it's its me playing small and then owning my crap and saying I'm playing small. Nobody's doing it to me. You know, I love that you brought that question up about something about the generational DNA. We're here to break it. It's up level time, period. So that's what I have to say about that. All right. <laughs> I, want to remove, I want to remove the, the DNA from that because DNA really can't be changed. Right. And this Nobody is something. Turned on like, and off, though. Yeah, so I like Let's to turn get it rid off. of DNA and, and, yeah. and switch it like Debbie said. It it might be in a lingering part of your family history, but it has nothing to do with your next step. Nope. This next well, second. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what my story is because you asked my, what my take is on this and, and where where the, the shift happened for me. And to be honest, I'm still in the middle of it. The, okay. the, the shift has taken quite some time. Um I'll start by addressing a, a, a point that Sam in the live stream raised. He, he said, I wonder what the stream would say about uh, generational DNA, generational curses. And that's very poignant because uh, the stream, I, I should bring Laura into this. The stream is like uh, Abraham. Oh, okay. Abraham yes. mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, David yep. Strickle um, yep. and his, his voice is the stream. And uh, David has a whole program called TIA, Trust Your Abundance, that includes a boot camp that many of us have been involved in. And in that boot camp, um, one of the things that you do is you get a personal reading with the stream and they help you set up what your goals are, what you want to be working on to clear your own blocks out and so forth. Well, I went through the program and my number one block was a generational curse. So that's why I wanted to address what okay. Sam brought up. And first of all, the stream actually doesn't talk about generational curses. In fact, when it came up in my private session with them, the message they gave to me was, we wouldn't say this to everybody else, but we want you to think about it in terms of a generational curse, which was really kind of funny because it was the last thing I was ever interested in doing. I never wanted to think about it as a generational curse. And I'm not even 100% convinced that it was actually the best advice to get. But what I will say is this, it did help me focus on the idea that there is this DNA or whatever you want to call it, this this influence from parents and previous generations, and that mm-hmm. the influence often shows up in ways that don't even become part of the conversation. 
And that was the big learning that I got coming out of Taya because it's true. I had to actually go through that Taya process. There's a whole thing that you go through. I had to go through that whole process in order to really recognize how it was in my grandfather. It was in my uncle. It was in my other uncle. It was in my, my dad, my, my other uncle, my aunt. They're like everybody, everybody was in this, this space. And the best way I could think of describing the space is that my, my parents grew up in the, in the Great Depression. Yep. And that depression mentality was, it was basically, it, it isn't where it all originated. It's where it culminated. It had been building for generations before that. And when they got to that period of time and the economy collapsed and they're dealing with all the aspects of a collapsed economy, it all came to fruition. All of those previous influences came into it. And just kept feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding. So that now I come along. I was born in 1957. So about, you know, 20 years after the, the depth of the Great Depression. And when I came along, I didn't know about any of that. But I grew up with this feeling that I could never even identify. I, it took me years to even recognize what it was. But it was this feeling of you really can't do a whole lot. Kind of like what you were talking about earlier on about the, those messages. You, you're not allowed to go any further than where you are. This, this is where your life is right now. It, it, nobody ever said it. No one ever, ever said that. But the feeling was there. I remember the feeling in my grandmother's house, my, my paternal grandmother's house. We would go there every Sunday for dinner. It was my, my, my dad's family, you know, us, and um, my uncle's family with, at my grandmother's house. And there was an atmosphere in there. It was an atmosphere of closed in. It was an atmosphere of distrust. And you couldn't look at any of the conversations and say, yes, that's where it was going on. You could never pin it down. That's the nature of generational DNA. You can't pin it down. There is no way to identify it other than to look back and say, you know what, there is a pattern there, but I never noticed it before. And then as you think about that, you realize there was an atmosphere. And that's the only way I can think of to describe it. It's an atmosphere. And it's oppressive. And there's nobody you can blame for it. And there's nobody you can say, that's who did it to me. But it was there anyway. And it taught you exactly what you were referring to earlier. This is how far you can go in life. Yep. I, I, I'm curious about something. Okay, now I mentioned my dad, but my dad's been my dad since I was three, so I don't know who my biological father is. And my grandmother, I do remember going, she had, she had to save everything. Dear God. She had to save it all. My mother worked so hard to shift. God, you know, I'm sitting here just like all of a sudden I've got all this huge gratitude for my mom. Dr. Rita Garcia, you can find her on Facebook. You know what? She worked really hard. To strip, to strip this mentality. I was not, I remember my grandmother having it, but not my mother. If you as much as put a mixed matched, mixed matched dish in our cabinet, my mother would have a meltdown. (laughs) 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 I now have, I think you have to fold your towels like a certain way and we're ladies and we're brought up with class and, and, and all these other things. That's my mother. But I didn't know my dad. I mean, biologically. So I'm just curious, like, because I was hearing these things about the in vitro that they they're picking up all this stuff from the mom, and they're picking up this stuff, mm. and 
I don't know. I mean, you're talking about our, you know, the things. Is it behavioral? Is some of it, is some of it actually in our cellular structure? Right. Or is it environment? Or is, is it, it the environment that you you grow up in? Right? I want to say I think mm-hmm. it's envi- I think it is environment personally. I think I ha- so too. Because I don't know my biological dad. My but my dad that is my dad, the only one I have reference to. Abs- both my parents turned this around. Brought up extremely poor from the depression era. You know, totally in that. But man, I did not get brought up that way. I was brought up in Diamond Bar, California. We were not in that. But that was their choice. So they started it. And then I've been working on it myself. But what about the what about that? The, the parents that we what about when you don't know? What about for those that are you think it has to be the environment? Because even those that are adopted are going to take on the behavioral beliefs from the environment. I was you know what? I was raised uh, by my father and it was and he's you know, he was born and raised in Camden City, New Jersey. Um, so he had a lot of the limiting beliefs. And so I was raised with those limiting beliefs. And I just kept saying no. And deep down, not out loud, because uh, he was a big dude. Uh, but <laughs> in my mind, every time he hit me with something limiting, um, it, I was just like, no. Like, I wanted to go to the NFL. And he was like, go to college for free for football but get your degree and get a job. Count on the job, not on the NFL. Mm. Go for the job, not the NFL. And he ingrained it into my mind daily because I love, I was obsessed with football. And, um, you know, obviously I didn't make it to the NFL. And, um, yeah, but everything else, I had that, no. Like, no, I'm not going to end up. We we had a pretty big house. When I was in high school, the last house, he had made sergeant. You know, it was, it was nice decent two-story with a basement in a good neighborhood house. Wow. That just wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't enough for me. I knew that my first house was going to be, or one of, you know, one of my first houses was going to be bigger than that. And then I was just going to get bigger from there. And, and, and I actually was able to do that. But on top of that, even now my dad's like, we talk about my next house and he's like, you know, get a little smaller. My daughter moved out. My son's about to graduate high school. I can downsize, save a little mm-hmm. bit of money. And I'm like, no, my next house is going to be bigger than this. <laughs> so is my yard. Like, and the next one after that is going to be bigger than that. It's nothing to do with the kids. And so it's like certain things. But, but you bring up a good point, us. but you bring up a good point there, Neil. And this is something everyone needs to be aware of. When you are that person that you hear it in your mind, right? You feel it that there's more, right? You know that there's more out there, right? People around you may say, why do you think like that? It's uncomfortable for other no, people. And no you way. have, no, but you have to realize that that's okay. It's okay if other people are happy in their reality world and they should never stop us from doing what our reality world is. And this is not about materialistic. This is not about houses and cars and whatever and else. This is going beyond to be our best selves mm-hmm. for the purpose that we serve on this earth. Now, with success comes other things. And that is nothing wrong with having those things. But it's not about those things. But we really have to realize that sometimes when you're going through this metamorphosis, people will say, 
who do you think you are mm -hmm. that you think you're better to move to that neighborhood or you think you're better that you don't just want that nine to five job at the factory do you think you're better than us pretty and much you have yes well, you have to you have to realize that it is what i've accepted it here's here's what uh, made just... me accept it really quickly <laughs> This thing right here made me accept that really quickly because guess what? Somebody had to go work in a factory to make this. So factory workers are very necessary and I love it. And I, I you know, I've had, it's just not me. Agreed. It's just what it is. Some people don't like to fly. I love doing it. Different strokes for different folks. So you just kind of find what's in you and go with it. But I believe there's more people pushing more and more to the creative side uh, every day than, than the day before. I think that's true. And, and I wanted to uh, kind of follow up what I was talking about before, uh, by saying that, like I said, I, I think I'm still going through the transition and have been pretty much since I started the podcast. Uh, Laura, most people who listen know this story, but I started the podcast in 2012 because, um, 2008 broke me, wiped me out of business. Oh. Two, the next four years were horrible. It, it wiped my wife out of business. We were both self-employed. We both got wiped out of business. Wow. And by 2012, we were deep in debt. We were, we were frantic. We had no idea what to do. We couldn't afford to buy a book, let alone a coach. I mean, we were just in desperate straits. And so I started a podcast because I figured, well, I could get people to be guests on the show. They could teach me for free. And that way I could actually, and it worked. It worked great. Uh, but, but what has happened during that 10 year process has been the transition. And I think what I, I'm, I can tell you, going through that transition is that everybody, regardless of what their current stakes are in life, regardless of what their current status is in life, but regardless of whether they think they're in the safe zone or the not safe zone, we're all going through this transition process. It's just that some of us are going through it quicker, others are going through it slower, but we're all going through this transition process. Some of us are fighting it tooth and nail every step of the way. Some of us are saying, yeah, okay, I'm free. Let's go. Some of us are somewhere in between, but we're all going through it. And it, and I don't think it's ever going to stop, to be honest. It doesn't. Yeah. No. Just like everybody, learning process. Keep everybody, learning. So I think what I've been hearing is everybody here, and what I heard Laura say is just respect the journey. You know, if the, if the people are on their journey, we respect their journey. Yeah. If we show, if you're all sitting there going, yeah, but they're not respecting my journey. If that was the first thing that popped in your head, then that means you need to be showing up with that even, even more so. Yeah. Be that that you're asking for out there in this world that you want. Be that first. And, and I love that you brought that up. So what's the, so what, what's the moral of the story? Um, Laura, what would you say? That's what I'm being called to ask you. What's the moral of the story? I don't know what the, I don't know how to answer that question. What do you What do you mean by that <laughs> question? Story? Sorry, no, no, no. What story? What's the moral of the story? The moral of the story about our belief systems, and oh. if you have to sum that up with the moral, the what's the moral of the story for each of us? That that what does this mean? This change, this trans, all this stuff. We all know it's all going on, but I think, yeah, yeah, I think the hardest thing for us to be is ourselves. Mm. I think part of that journey, and I can even speak for myself, in my journey through my business career in my life, I had certain preconceived notions of, you get married, you have some kids, you buy a house, you take care of your kids, you send them to college, and you follow this track, right? Along this preconceived perception that is put before us. 
And then in 2018, I had my awakening. It was caused by hitting the, the stage for the very first time. It was the first time I was put outside of my business. And in that moment, my world changed because I realized that all of that time before that moment, I was just copying what I saw out in the world. I wasn't leaned into who I was. The energy you see today, the my animation of how passionate I am, that is who I am. But I hid that and I squashed that and I controlled that because I was in board meetings with men in business suits that run banks and they weren't accepting of seeing me in my feminine form in the way that I act. So my moral of every story is to be your unique self. You are not a copy of anyone else on this earth. And you need to lean into your intuition and the thoughts and the passion that you believe in to be yourself, because that is when everything starts to align during that transformation, Walt. I'm going to I'm going to say double down on that. I, uh, I, mean, I, I hope be your uh, next yourself, man. I know we're a little <laughs> over time, but I'd, I'd love to get Debbie's and, and Walt's answer to that question as well. Um, I'll just give mine real quick. Uh, moral of my story for as far as that goes, learn more. Take steps to learn more about yourself and then learn to trust your intuition. Trust your gut. Follow that. Uh, what about you guys? Do you want first, Debbie? Sure. Okay. Actually, go Walt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just that wind up was great. I was ready for it. Okay, just extra. I just extra. Yeah, and I went like that, and my and I went blank, which meant to me, <laughs> it's I'm not. It's not time. Walt. Intuition. She trusts in her gut. I love that. Walt. Well, well, well I'll, get, I'll give you some time. Now, for for me, I think the podcast is 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 pretty much what the center of my life is these days. Because it's where I do my best growing. It's where I get my all the wonderful perspectives that I get from people like you. Um, it's where I get all of my best learning and have been getting it for quite some time now. And I'm able to share it with my audience, which continues to grow because they seem to like it too, which is a very cool thing. Uh, I, I think for me, it, it isn't so much what's the moral of the story. It's what's the next step in the story. And, and the next step, it's like Neil said before, I don't even know what the next step is. I won't know until, what it is until after I've taken it, which is that that's really my answer to the query that I raised to you earlier, Laura. I raised the question, well, is it fear of success or is it you know, fear of risk or so forth? I think it's fear of the next step. I think that next step is what gets in our our way because well, I got to make the step right. It's got to be the right. That's the step. glory wall. And you don't have to make it right. No, because just like Neil said before. Is that even when something goes wrong, it's a lesson that we were yeah. supposed to learn. So there's no wrong steps. There are no there's wrong none. steps, but that's that's the hard part. That's the, hard, the recognizing that there is no wrong step because the tendency is to say, "Oh God, I got to take this. If I don't take this next step right, it's going to screw everything up," which isn't true. But that's you can't the screw it up. You cannot lo and behold, screw it up. Lo and behold, the only next step you got to worry about is seeing it, although it already happened, and being thankful for it already happening. Oh, I love I'm, that. Well, well y'all, I had to throw this up. I had to throw this up. It was just beautiful. I think standard, standard, you rock. Yes. Oh, oh, I, I love what you were. I love what you guys are are bringing to the table, and I think it's it's beautiful. I am in alignment with with each of you. 
Um, raising our standards. I mean, that's within our raising our standards. But what does that mean? That means looking at yourself and raising the standards of what you would normally be doing and doing that one extra thing that day. But stay present, everybody. Yesterday's done. Tomorrow's not here, but everything that you do right now on this present moment is going to reflect what's going to be. The only moral of the story I've got is you deserve to accept yourself as you are in your pure divinity of greatness and to be appreciative for the being that you are. Laura said the unique being that you are. So remember that you are here because you chose to be. You're here at one of the most awesome freaking times. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about this happening. That's coming undone. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also re- being rebuilt at the same time simultaneously. It is. And, and we get to choose how we're doing our building. So accepting yourself that you are truly. That acceptance is so key so that you can appreciate in the full capacity of who you are and just take one little step one little thing today do one thing my favorite thing find somebody you're grateful for and tell them that do something for somebody else get out of your own head thinking about yourself to begin with seriously like that's that's it i need to stop talking again (laughs) thank you debbie i'm tasking everyone in this room to comment after they tell that person whoever it is that you're thankful for them. Comment. Oh, please do. I like that. Oh, please do. Really, I want to really see them. I love to see. I love to see that. And I just got to do a plug, you guys. Please turn on Unify tomorrow on Facebook or go to unify.org and watch Women Rising. We have a phenomenal freaking show tomorrow that's going to blow your minds. We have two powerhouse. Oh, we got powerhouses coming in. We, these ladies are going to rock your world. Brooke and Tammy. Time. Self love and. Self-awareness. It's all about self-love tomorrow. At nine o'clock a at nine o'clock AM Pacific, ten o'clock Mountain, twelve o'clock Eastern. That's what time it is. And if there you can go. also catch it right here on Spirituality on Wild, we'll be simulcasting it. But it's gonna be really great. And of course, Mary Isis will open for us tomorrow. I'm gonna do a video on this one though. But yeah, it's gonna be a great one. And I'm excited. To see you. Laura, it's you rock. It's super great to meet you. Very cool. I was listening to you before. I just knew I didn't have a full hour in me right now, so I I I'm really I, happy that you joined. Had to, I honored that, but let thank you guys for letting me jump in late, and I had to honor that I couldn't do a full hour. But thank you, I appreciate it. Hey, it wouldn't be a show without you. So we're glad you were able to give you give give what you could give. You get which you, you which you usually do. You give what you can give, and so you did again. So thank you for that. Plus, and as Laura. much as I jump in late and leave, it's it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Laura, before we say goodbye to you, we got to get a couple pieces of information from you. First of all, there's the book, so you got to tell yes. people where to find the book. And second of all, you got to tell people where to find you. <laughs> yep. So my book is "Say Yes Every Day," and it's funny, Debbie, when you were when you were speaking about being present and how yesterday is gone and today. That's what "Say Yes Every Day" is about. So thank you for that. So it can be found on Amazon or you know any any place that you can get the book. Um, follow, connect to me on social media. Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all that stuff. Every single bit of my content is about positivity. It's about living our best lives. It's always uplifting and and positive. I love to connect to people. It truly 
just brings joy to me to realize that we're all on this journey of life together. And if you can find a community where you have like-minded people that are lifting each other up, then it makes the world all that better. Beautifully summarized. Thank you Thank very you. much. That was really yes, great. Definitely. Thank you, live streamers, for all of your wonderful comments and uh, very supportive comments today, too. Really, really good ones. And thank you especially to all of our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>